Welcome to the podcast that's dedicated to helping business owners to prepare for exit so you can maximize value and exit on your terms. This is the Exit Insights podcast presented by Succession Plus. I'm Daryl Bates-Brownsort, and today I'm talking to Mike Maynard. Mike runs an agency, a marketing, integrated marketing agency spread across the, the UK and has recently sold it to an EOT. So I asked him to come and join us and share his thoughts and reasonings and, and, and thinking for why he chose the, the EOT option. Hey, welcome and thanks for joining me today, Mike. Oh, thanks so much for having me on the podcast, Daryl. Brilliant. So why don't we start by just giving us a little bit of a background about the agency and the age and the size and, and just the headline sort of information just to set the scene for us. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the agency was actually started in the 1980s, um, started by a couple who became husband and wife. Um, and I was a client for many years, actually. So for five years, I worked as a uh, European marketing manager, was a client of the agency. And then in 2001, um, the agency owners decided they wanted to sell and retire. Um, and I thought, hey, running an agency, how hard can it be? So 2001, bought the agency, um, grew it from, you know, around about seven people back then up to about 37 people now. So um, we've had, you know, pretty decent growth, both organic and uh, through acquisition. Um, and then about 18 months ago, uh, decided that you know, the right way to, you know, really keep the business going and moving forward was to go for an EOT. So that's what we did. Okay, brilliant. Thanks. Now, what what I'd love to tap into, if it's okay, is just to understand the, the motivation and, and why an EOT and what, as opposed to any of the other options. So when you started thinking about, you know, it was time for you to, to, to change ownership and, and change, the, I guess, the, the stewardship, what were the other, what were the options you, you explored? Yeah, so I, I mean, there's different ways you can do it. You can do a formal management buyout where the management team buy out the business. Um, you can do a trade sale, sell it to a, a, another agency, typically a larger agency, um, or an EOT. Um, and, and then there's different things you can do. You can issue shares and do share incentive schemes to get more employee ownership. And, you know, so, so lots of different ways. But fundamentally, um, it comes down to keeping the same team in place or selling to another agency. Um, we've actually done three acquisitions um, since I acquired Napier, so four in total. Um, mm -hmm. And the reality is, is when you sell a business to another agency, that business is going to change. I mean, the other agencies paid you money. They, they've got every right to, to run the business in a different way. Um, and if I'm to be honest, from my point of view, in terms of selling it, I get the money. I'm good. I'm pretty happy. Um, however, there's quite a few people in the agency who've been through acquisitions that haven't been successful. Um, and so there was quite a strong feeling amongst a number of the team that, that they were really concerned about being sold. I mean, and so they didn't want that. That's not the future they wanted. Um, and that really had a big impact on me. And then I guess as well, I'm kind of a bit of a tree hugging hippie as well. Okay. So, okay. so, so what we're, if, if we're exploring this, we're going, Hey, look, you could have, you, you did some acquisitions yourself. So you know what that's like. And no matter how we label it, the reality is whenever we do an acquisition, it's a takeover. Um, and, and the, the bigger of the two organizations absorbs the other and their culture and their styles and their systems tend to be the ones that, that, that remain. The, the staff of your agency of Napier said, well, yeah, and you, you knew them fairly well, were kind of going, hey, look, we've had some experiences, we've grown, we've had some great success, success, but we kind of, now here's me paraphrasing and, and maybe reading between the lines, 
but they kind of said, we like the way we do things around here. We think we're pretty good. Uh, we think there's a bit of a legacy. Um, and so you've gone, yep, I like that. Yeah, it'd be great to look after you guys who have looked after me over the last 20 years. Let's go go down the employee ownership route. And frankly, the most attractive employee ownership route at the moment is is the EOT because it's got significant capital gains tax benefits. Having said that, um, hopefully listeners, listeners will note that we that you made the decision to go down employee ownership first and then the tax benefits were second. It's, you know, we don't want the tax benefits, you know, wagging the exit dog, you know, you know it's employee ownership, I think is, it's, it's a cultural choice. It's, it's, it's not a, it's not an exit strategy. Absolutely. And, and I mean, I, I guess you've got a fairly international audience, Daryl, and, and EOT is a specific UK thing, which basically means that um, when you sell shares to the employees through this mechanism, uh, you don't pay tax on what you get paid. Um, and that's quite attractive. But realistically, it's saving you about 20%. Um, and honestly, you can probably get more than that 20% by selling it to um, another agency that really wants your business. Um, so in terms of, of you know, whether it's, it's worth doing or not, I, I agree. I mean, going down the EOT route because you save taxes is crazy because actually what you want to do is maximize the sale price. And generally speaking, an EOT is not going to do that. You're going to get a fair sales price, but not the top. Well, that's that's a really interesting comment, and and if I can dig dig into that somewhat, what what leads you to say that you won't get a good price if you if you sell it to an EOT? Well, there's a couple of things. So most of us as agency owners, we believe that our agency is brilliant. It's great. It's going to keep growing. Generally speaking, when you do a trade sale, you'll have an initial payment, and then you'll have some um, subsequent payments based upon performance. Um, and rightly or wrongly, and having done acquisitions, I can tell you that sometimes it's right and sometimes it's wrong. Um, we all believe that actually we're going to beat the targets and smash it, and um, it's going to be amazing. We're going to actually make more money. Um, and so sometimes when you do a trade sale, you can actually make more money. Um, equally, trade sales tend to pay off a lot more quickly um, than yeah. uh, doing an employee sale. So, you know, I mean, we've, we've been through, you know, a year or so of 10% inflation. I, you know, the honest truth is everybody who's done an EOT and is waiting for payments, not just me, that those future payments have been reduced by 10% effectively. Um, so yeah. so it's not it's not a simple case of it's got tax advantages, it's better. Um, there's definitely pros and cons, and there's definitely ways to do sales that ultimately, post-tax, net you more money. Um, it's, it's not about the money. It's a good deal. Don't get me wrong, but it's not about the money. It's not about the money. I get mm -hmm. that. So... Look, and how did you value the business? What did, did you, did you, well, firstly, let me go back a step because I, I um, had I interviewed Richard Cowley from RM2 uh, just recently. And Richard is, is one of the UK's leading, I guess, advocates and, and, and drivers of, of EOTs and, and, and has been around a long time doing it. And he shared some really interesting structural comments, if you like, on, on how to structure EOTs. Um, so, how when and he's, what he suggested to me was that now this doesn't happen a lot, but there's no legal requirement or or you know re, yeah there's no requirement for an owner to tell their employees that they're selling to an EOT. <laughs> um, and there have been situations where the owners told the employees the next day, by the way, we're now an EOT. Now in my mind that's just crazy because 
uh, the the EOT is it's not I don't think it's an exit strategy. It's it's a it's a business philosophy, if you like, to have all of the employees uh, on board. So if you're going to get the most out of an EOT, you need to shift or step change the culture because the, the culture for a, to be a successful and viable EOT is different to the see the culture of a, a let's call it a regular commercial business. So there's that, and then. So how how um, did you decide? Did you have did, were you negotiating with the employees for a long time? Were you discussing? Were you uh, bouncing ideas around with uh, agreeing of how the EOT would be structured? Um, I know there's a lot of questions there, so I'll give you time to answer them all. Yeah, so, so some great questions there. Um, I think um, sorry, I think one of the challenges when you 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 decide to set up an EOT is that effectively what you're expecting is that your employees are magically going to go from, you know, being employees that are happy in their role, you know, working hard, doing great work, but but basically thinking about their job to suddenly, you know, overnight becoming business owners and think about the business as a whole and be able to think about business strategy and investment. And, and quite clearly, that's a ridiculous thing. Um, <laughs> you know, you're never going to get people to, to learn. And, and 18 months down the road, you know, people are still learning. We're still learning how to, you know, run an EOT. But equally, you know, the employees are still learning how to think like owners. Um, and so it is a change that takes a long time. And and it does mean that to some extent, the the owner kind of imposes it on the employees. Um, you know, and, and we did talk to the employees. We asked. We had seminars. Um, you know, a lot of people were just like, well, I don't want to get sold to, you know, th there's another agency in our business that was quite acquisitive. You know, we don't want to get sold to them. So anything's better than that. So we're, we're good with it. Other people wanted to know a bit more. You know, other people were like, well, what does it mean about my job? You know, great question. Is, is it going to change my job? No, it's okay. Um, so lots of different reactions, but you've got to kind of take that leap of faith. Um, and that is, I think, a big challenge with EOTs. Because, yeah. you know, you, you want your employees to think like owners, but there's no way that people who haven't been business owners are suddenly magically going to change overnight. They're going to learn, um, exactly. you know, so it, it takes time. And I think you've, you've got to, as a owner, make a, a, a decision on that. Um, and I talked to, to people. We've got some uh, consultants in. We work with a company called Baxendale, um, who I know have done a lot of EOTs, particularly in our space. They've been amazing. Um, yep. But no one really knows until you do it no and and and, and i'm so I, you, you've heard me already harp on about the cultural change and it's a different philosophy to a commercial business as as you've reiterated um and one of the things that we always do is go let's before we go down the eot route or or employee ownership in general is go we need to start that cultural change. We've got to change the culture. And that mindset change starts as much in the owner's minds and mindset as much as it does the employees. And we talk about the shift from employee thinking to ownership mindset. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's any culture change takes a year or two, as, as you would have um, experienced when bringing new companies in and acquiring them. So we really need to look at changing that mindset and, and educating them to how a business runs and starting to align them towards you know, understanding profit rather than just their own jobs, ideally, you know, one to two years before. So you've experienced that. So how did you agree a value of the business? Was that in consultation? Was it, did you get a third party valuation? How did you arrive at that number for your business? Um, th this sounds very simplistic, but it was as simplistic. 
um the the consultants we had recommended a um uh, an accountant i didn't want to use our current accountants you know because obviously i as md have been paying them money it didn't seem right they should value the business um so we got an independent accountant we paid them and they did it and it was that simple okay so you got a valuation and and you had some experience of valuing businesses in your sector before because you'd bought a couple yep. i think you said bought three so when the accountant valued your business you were able to go yeah that sort of adds up and and it feels about right <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, the, the valuation in, in our sector is typically, you know, somewhere around about four-ish times um, your EBITDA, your profit each year. Um, you know, it could be a little bit more as you get bigger and you can certainly see bigger multiples. Um, yeah. But it, it's, uh, you know, four to eight maybe um, for businesses our size. We didn't have any, you know, super um, IP or software that we we owned um so it, we're towards yeah we're towards the lower end of that but okay but it's still good you know i'm still very happy with that valuation and that's at the end of the day like any deal any acquisition whether you're buying a new pair of jeans a house a car or, or a business the buyer has the if the buyer's not happy with the deal and the seller's not happy <laughs> with the deal the deal's not going to happen yeah i don't care what you're buying so so people need to be happy with it and so so that's where we're at so we agree to value we've gone yep we're happy with that um and then we've got to go, okay, so what's the time scale? How long? And did you do some modeling and, and, and looking at the business profits and what have you and, and figure out how long the business or how long, yeah, the, from an affordability perspective to, to pay off the debt? And did you, is it all debt or did you get some sort of other finance to uh, um, fund the growth? So or it's basically fund. all owed to me. Um, so we didn't get any outside finance at all. Um, that is a interesting approach. I wish I looked at it more actually when we did the deal. Um, the reality is external finance is quite expensive for these sort of, uh, deals. So you can end up paying, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I'll tell you now, our deal is, is over seven years. Um, and actually if the EOT borrowed the money and paid me all off on day one, the interest would be as much as it costs them to pay me off. Um, so they wow. do nothing with uh, the actual amount. They just pay the interest uh, interest rates at the moment, which obviously are not the, the lowest they've been. Um, so finance is quite hard um, because we 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 had a longer payoff period. If there's a shorter payoff period, I think the numbers you know move slightly differently then. Um, but uh, yeah, it, 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 it's an interesting one. Is how you do it. I looked at it and I said, you know the company had some cash in the business. I took some of that cash out. I left a substantial amount in. Um, we've always run the business cautiously. If you uh, if you buy an agency and then three weeks later, you find that you've had the biggest crash in technology, um, you tend to be quite cautious. So I wanted to be able to keep running that business on a cautious footing with cash in the bank um, and no overdrafts. Um, and I also wanted the employees to be able to pay off the, um, the, the shares, but still have, you know, an increase in in the revenue that they got in, in terms of you know being able to get paid extra money through bonuses right so okay so there's an interesting point so over the seven years it's not only you being paid off uh, by the sounds of it you've made some allocation or you've budgeted for the employees to to get some of the bonus benefits of an eot along the way as well exactly so i, I mean crudely speaking once the employees own a company they're entitled to dividends. Um, and 
you know, with the EOT in the UK, you actually get a certain amount of that tax-free, which is really nice as an employee. Yeah. Um, and we wanted to help people use as much of that tax-free allowance as we could. Um, so therefore, we had to be making a profit and throwing off cash after I was paid um, in order to be able to um, pay those EOT bonuses. Um, and so we, yeah. we, we made that calculation. And, you know, the economy is not great at the moment. It's, you know, the world is a bit tougher, but we're still on course to pay off in seven years. So, it, you know, we're able to cope with ups and downs in the economy, um, business doing yeah. better and, and worse. And uh, the employees shouldn't be foregoing bonuses to pay me off. Okay. So has that first um, payment, that let's call it a profit share, but that allocation, uh, tax-free bonus or, or whatever the, the, the terminology is, is that first allocation being made to employees? Uh, well, actually, we've already paid two. Um, and, uh, okay. So, yeah, okay. so uh, we paid on six monthly um, time frame, and, and literally today I've signed off the third one, um, which, which is really okay. cool. I mean, it's one of the great things about an EOT is you can sign off, you know, bonuses, and you actually feel really good about it. And you know the employees are getting the money and it's not being taxed. And it, it, it's really cool. Okay. So there, there's something else there um, that I'd like to explore. You said you signed off the third one. So you're st it sounds like you're still in control daily operations of running the business. You're the, still the MD, CEO, head honcho. Uh, yes. <laughs> Um, I'm not quite the guy, you know, the old guy dribbling in the corner, but I'm still the guy who's um, running the business. Um, and obviously, I say obviously, uh, people outside the UK particularly won't know this. The way it works is the business declares a dividend. The employees, obviously, with their shareholding, get the dividend. In our case, it's 70% of the dividend. Um, and uh, then the EOT decides the way that that money is allocated amongst the employees. Um, and there's only a very small number of ways um, that you can allocate um, that across the employee base. Um, so today, yep. you know, we, we officially decided the dividend and we had a, a brief meeting to sign off and um, uh, approve the allocation. Okay. So the, the, the next question then, Mike, is or to try and get a head around is you'd run the business for 20 odd years as a I guess, a typical owner-manager leading the charge, being the, the, the energy source and driving the business forward. And often, you know, there, there's a bit of a gap between the owner and the next layer of, of skills and capabilities. You, you made some comments earlier about, hey, look, you can't expect employees to change overnight from understanding just doing their jobs to understand becoming owners um, and understanding the difference. Now they're 18 months in, and they've had or nearly got three payments, but they've had at least two payments. What differences have you noticed in the culture, the mindset, the, the, the way employees show up and act and think about the business? So, so it's a really interesting question because I think it's subtle. I think, you know, if you look on the surface, are people coming in and, and behaving completely differently? No. Um, you know, I'll be honest, the team came in, they worked hard, they did good work. That hasn't changed, you know, and, and on a day-to-day -day basis, I don't think that changes. But I think what happens is, you know, 18 months in, we're now having slightly different conversations, um, you know, and every so often you'd have a really smart, you know, account manager or account director that would talk to you about how profitable their clients were, but it was kind of a bit abstract. Um, now today, I can pretty much talk to anybody, you know, on the, the account side, so on the client facing side, and they have a really good understanding of what they can do to increase profitability. 
Um, and they also know what they can do to increase profitability in the short term and the long term. Um, and it's not just about, you know, how much can we build a client today? It's about how can we build that relationship and get more work? And, and they're starting to think, you know, I think quite strategically. I think they're, they're really starting to think more frequently in terms of, of profit. Um, for the business and what business would be profitable and what business would be less profitable. You know, um, I, I, I really see that developing beyond what you'd expect in an agency. Um, and, you know, you typically expect the most senior people to have some view of profitability and everyone else to do their job. Now, now people are really trying to, I think, do their job for the business. Um, and, you know, they understand that if they grow the business, a little part of that success comes back to them. Um, and that's how it should be. Um, and it, it's been, it's positive. I wouldn't say we did a brilliant job it, by any means in terms of, you know, educating employees, helping them understand, um, you know, what it means to be an owner. I think, you know, we, we actually probably did quite a poor job on that. Um, so it's taken some time, but I think people have, have been very keen and, and the people most involved, you know, obviously when you have an EOT, you have a trust board. So we have two employees who are on the board, um, you know, that actually is really good education. So those guys have learned a lot. The people who are perhaps, you know, a little further away, haven't been quite so involved on the EOT to that level, you know, they're, they're still learning. They're still asking about profit. Um, you know, I get asked a lot more about how the agency is doing. Um, that That's a really interesting thing. You know, it's not just people coming to me and saying, my clients are doing great. It's like, how's the agency doing? Well, how's the business going? What's happening? What are we doing to grow the business? And and, that's good. and those little things, that's awesome. And <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds very exciting. And the fact that there, you, you've noticed a gradual um, change over time, over the 18 months, that they've gradually grown into understanding that it's, that it's more than just about their job. It's about the whole agency and, and, the, the, the types of questions they're asking as well. That's, uh, that's encouraging. So with that, how have you found that your role, the way you show up, you, you uh, have changed over the 18 months? Yeah, and I think that's, again, you know, something we haven't done particularly well. We wanted to, to change the culture. We wanted to really focus on bringing on um, a, a management team that, that, if you like, was trying to take over from me and, 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 you know, almost roll over me and, and, and be better. Um, and we've, we've had some pros and cons with that. I mean, we've definitely had some, some areas where we've improved. We're definitely, you know, a stronger management team than we were before. Um, all of us, um, yeah. but it, it's not the case yeah. that I can walk away from the, or I feel I can walk away from the business today. I mean, I don't know if, if there's any, employees listening they're probably going might get out of the business today it'd be so much better but <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but for, in, my, in my head it's not quite got to that stage yet i think we've got a, a clearer vision of what we need to do um but it, it's just a challenge of getting there so mike you've the employees have changed and evolved the way they're thinking and, and asking questions that they've worked with you uh con considering what they've done in previous years Reflecting back on yourself, how has your style changed? What What are you doing differently now that um, eighteen months in, as as the you know, I guess the you're now the CEO only. You're no longer the the major shareholder. Yeah, it's interesting, and I think probably I haven't changed as much as I expected or hoped. Um, you know, I was hoping to have 
more of a, a momentum towards a transition to a new management team and you know effectively the the current management team kind of getting to the point of pushing me out um and for various reasons that hasn't um quite happened but i think what has happened is we've had a lot better discussion with employees about ideas on different things um and so one of the you know really interesting things is um the eot allows you know really a formal process for employees to raise ideas um, yeah. and you know as a manager it's kind of it's a bit of a shock because some of those ideas are bloody good um, and so so you actually get these ideas coming through and i mean we'd never um offered things like private health insurance um and one of the eot suggestions was private health and the eot said you know kind of we'd like private health we'd like it to be subsidized a bit but actually we're okay if we pay a bit towards it and and we looked at it and we looked at the costs and we're like do you know what that's a that's a lot less than we expected um and so we brought in private health and we're subsidizing 50 percent of the costs um you know and who knows as times get better maybe we could subsidize more in the future uh but we've actually brought that benefit in a lot of employees are you know are using it and are really happy with it um and it's really positive and that was a hundred percent employee driven that was that had nothing to do with the management team at all. And we're getting some other suggestions coming through that are equally positive about um, how we we can improve the business. Um, and they they're inevitably tend to be benefit-driven, so things that benefit the employees directly rather than necessarily look at the, the like business strategy. Um, and I still think 18 months in, it, it's a bit early to expect the employees to come up with great strategic ideas. It would be wonderful if they did. Um, but they're still coming up with good ideas that, are doing a lot to, you know, position us um, as a better employer. So, you know, the health insurance is one example where it doesn't just help the people who are here, but when we're recruiting, it's another positive to try and get people to join the business. So I think, you know, getting more ideas from employees definitely is is a good thing. I, I'm sure, you know, if there's owners and, and managing directors listening here, you've all done the meetings where, you know, you do your presentation, you go, right, has anyone got any questions? And it's just tumbleweed. Nobody ever asks anything. Nobody ever suggests anything. And you kind of feel like going, come on, you guys. You're smart. You've got good ideas. Why do you just sit there and not say anything? The employees, employee ownership has kind of brought some of that out, which is really positive. Okay, great. Okay, so we've seen the employees gradually change over time. And uh, also, they're, they're starting to contribute new ideas, um, albeit a little bit um, beneficial driven at the moment, but uh, it, it's overall uh, improving the standard and the, the uh, status of, of the uh, employment benefit and therefore the EOT. I think you said your role, you haven't changed as much as you would have liked and uh, perhaps, you know, they're, they're, they have some uh, habits are hard to lose in style. <laughs> um, but we're 18 months in now into a seven-year, let's call it a, a self-imposed earn-out arrangement albeit one where you control the, the goalposts, so you know that the goalposts aren't going to move in your earnout, and uh, uh, you, you have some, uh, a lot of influence over that earnout. Is there anything you would have done differently now that you're, you're sort of well into the, the, um, the, the process? You've, you've basically got yourself a seven-year or a four-and-a-half-year, um, you know, five-and-a-half-year uh, process. But looking back, what would you have done differently? I'd have definitely made the payout period shorter. Um, and, and not for me, um, but from the point of view that the way these EOTs work is whilst the employees still owe you money for the shares, you still have you know more degree of control than you would 
um, with a with a pure employee ownership arrangement. Um, and that's fair enough, right? Because they they owe you money; they haven't paid you for the shares, so um, they shouldn't get all that control. But I think that's kind of held back the EOT a little bit because they're still seven years away from really completely controlling the company. Um, so I would have absolutely accelerated that um, payment schedule um, as fast as I could. I, I, I mean, it's difficult. You could look at potentially borrowing money, but that's quite expensive. Um, but I would have looked at ways to see how we could have accelerated it because I think that would give employees more control more quickly. Yeah. Okay, so there's that, and the reality is that you know, you've taken the risk. You took the risk in in 2001 in acquiring the business. You've been the person consuming all of the risk or holding all of the risk and growing the business. Now you've sold the business. You're still the one taking all the risk, effectively. In in in, so therefore, there's a vested interest in you making sure that you stay there for the seven years, and ensure that you get paid. So, yeah, that's how you mitigate the risk. And, and you've got 20 years experience behind you in running the business. So you, it'd be a, a low perceived risk. Um, so I absolutely understand why you would go, hey, look, a seven year earn out, um, you know, once you've already made the, the mindset shift, you're not going to grow your, you're not going to get any, any, any benefit from the increase in capital value over those seven years. If you double the business over the, next, over the seven year earn out, there's no gain to you. Oh, yeah. no, no, I'm wrong because you, in that scenario, you held 30% of the equity, yeah. didn't you? You held back 30%. Yeah. So, so I've got some equity back that, that I am going to get a benefit from. Um, you know, so, so I'm actually, it, it's much less about me. It's much more about giving the, the employees the control as quickly as possible. Um, yeah. You know, and the issue is with, with almost any employee purchase of a business, the employees typically don't have the money. And so yes. you, need, you need to engineer a process where the employees take the profits to be able to pay you back. Um, and, and very crudely, that's how any employee um, purchase is going to work. So you're always going to have this delay. You're always going to have this period of time. I think the shorter you can make it, the sooner employees reach this nirvana where genuinely they own the business. And genuinely, you know, they, they can, you know, pitch up one Monday morning and go, do you know what, Mike, had enough of you, off you go. Um, and I think... Th that feeling of control, I think, would, would you know, really motivate people. Um, it would also allow them to, to think much more about allocating more money out for bonuses or investing money in growing the business. Um, and they would be able to make those decisions. At the moment, things are kind of tight with the way the, the earnout's structured, um, that it's kind of difficult to, to have much wiggle room. Yeah. Okay. So you've held 30%. What, why 30%? What's your thinking? You know, um, my understanding is, is for the, the stats tell us that, that businesses either sell 51% or 100%. Very few uh, straddle the fence and sit in the middle. What's your plan for the 30%? Um, so why 30%? I, I, I don't know. I, I wibbled about the number. <laughs> um, I wanted to keep some shareholding, in particular, um, I felt it was important that the management team taking over had the option to own, you know, a slightly bigger chunk of the company because obviously they'll be the ones driving the business. And I know that, you know, ultimately I've had good years, I've had bad years, but ultimately I've done very well out of owning shares. I think the next generation of management team should be able to benefit on that if they want. Yeah. Um, so, so how did I get to 30%? Well, 
from that, I, I didn't want 51%. You know, it felt like it was a bit fake. I wanted to give the employees a fairly meaningful chunk in the company. 80%, you know, so just holding on to 20% felt a bit small um, to give. And so it came to 30. There's no, there's no better logic than that. It could have easily been 25 um, and it would have made, to be honest, no difference. Yeah. Okay. And and what are your plans to do with that? Is, is, are you going to hold on to that till your your notice is, is completed? Um, and, and did you say sell it or potentially have the option to sell it to the management team so that they can have that extra incentive to go forward? Yeah. I mean, the goal is to have it available if the management team want to, to buy it. Um, that would be great. Um, if the management team don't want to buy it, I'll obviously sell it to the EOT. Uh, yep. Assuming they want to buy it. Um, and, um, you know, the, the one downside with doing that is if I do sell it to the EOT, the tax advantages don't apply because it's a second sale. Um, yep. As I said, you know, realistically, and particularly over seven years, the growth of the company is way bigger than the tax advantage tax just, just becomes noise in that situation. So, um, I'm very happy with it with that option as well. Brilliant. Alrighty. Hey, Mike. Look, we've we've had a bit of a <clears throat> um, wild. We've we've covered the, the the fair spectrum from a a person who sold their business to the EOT and is as is uh, halfway through that transition period now. What's the key message you want listeners to this podcast to take away if they're, if business owners out there are thinking of selling to an EOT themselves? I, I mean, I think you need to think about your options. Um, and, and whether you're, you're considering EOT or whether you're considering a trade sale, I think you should think about both options. Um, it's really interesting. You, you do a trade sale pretty much day one after the sale, everything changes. Um, you, you sell to an EOT pretty much day one, nothing changes. Yeah. Um, and they're very different processes. Um, they do very different things. Um, I think both are valid choices. I mean, I'm not here going, everyone should sell to an EOT. Um, but I think, you know, you need to understand what you've got as a business, whether that business is viable long-term, running on its own, whether it's going to continue to be profitable, whether you've got the team in place to be able to, you know, continue to run that business. Or, you know, if you're, and, and I mean, maybe at the size we are 40, that there's always going to be a, a decent management team. But if you had, say, 10 people, maybe an EOT is not right because there's not the right people to take over from you. Um, and, and, and really consider the two options and then make a decision based on your situation. Um, I, I mean, for me, you know, the EOT is very rewarding. Um, you know, the, the tax incentives, I, I guess, as a last message, they're nice. They shouldn't drive you at all. Uh, that shouldn't be you know, uppermost in your thinking, there's other ways to make more money. Fundamentally comes around to, you know, the more you grow the business, the better it is for everybody. Brilliant. Mike Maynard, thanks for sharing your exit insights with us today. Thanks so much, Daryl. Really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Exit Insights podcast. And if you have, now's a good time to subscribe and make sure you get notified of all future episodes. Now, if the topics have raised questions about the value potential in your business or how you will exit like a boss, then contact me and arrange a free strategy call where we can discuss what's required for you. Otherwise, if you'd simply like to learn more about how to prepare for when you want to exit, then you can download a copy of our ebook called It All Begins With Insights. The link is in the show notes. In this book, will show you how a business insights report can be used to assess your business to uncover your intangible assets and identify the value potential if you're ready for exit 
and your business is exit ready.